Um, it's so good to be with you all. My name's uh, Devon. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Culture. Um, over these next two weeks, we're going to be uh, looking at vision. What's our hopes uh, for the future of our church? And um, so we're going to be doing these over the next two weeks. Um, and can I encourage you that um, even if you're new here and you're still um, yeah, working out whether you want to make this your church home, can I encourage you, please stick around for these next two weeks and um, ask yourself, um, is this the sort of church I want to be a part of? Not just for um, who we are now, um, but who we seek to be in the future. Um, so um, let me pray and we'll get into um, the sermon. Father, set our hearts alight for you and your glory. Amen. Uh, the establishment of Melbourne as a metropolitan city began in 1835 as a small canvas town by the banks of the Yarra River. Um, then in um, 1850, thousands began to pour into Victoria with the beginning of the gold rush. Uh, many hoping to strike it rich and to build a new life here. And then in 1865, a small group of believers began to meet in a building called Manchester Unity Hall. Uh, today it has a different name. It's called Uni Lodge. It's not as glamorous <laughs> as it was back then. <laughs> Um, but that's the building right next door to our church. And it was that small group back in 1865 that formed the beginnings of our church. Um, our church has now been in existence for over 158 years. Um, and with all the, the changes in, in Melbourne over that time, our church has remained a visible presence in our city. Think of all the, the, the changes that have happened over the years in Melbourne. From, from this small town of tents, uh, grew a, a city with huge skyscrapers and high-rise apartments. Uh, from travelling by horse and carriage, now our roads are, are filled with buses and trains and trams. Uh, Melbourne is now the centre of the arts. It's the home of sport. It's, it's the food capital of the world. Um, what began as just a small settlement is now a group of 910,000 people just in the CBD alone. Um, our city has welcomed immigration from all over the world. Yet with all these changes, one of the constants in our city has been Swanson Street Church of Christ, today called Cross Culture. Um, so today we're asking a foundational question that was asked of this church all the way back in 1865 and must constantly be asked of every generation. Why do we exist? Why does this church stand here and continue to stand here right in the heart of Melbourne? What will this church mean for our city and our world? there's a concept called mission drift, where over the years, if organizations don't continually reassess their purpose, they will naturally veer off course. Not because they're trying to, not because they're getting lazy, 
but because in life there's so much you could do. Um, as a church, there's so much we could do. Even if you walk outside, you'll see the needs of our city and our world are endless. And so the critical question we must ask is not what could we do, but what must we do? Um, and so even during this Vision Sunday, as we gaze into the future, we need to come back to our roots. What is our core central purpose that brought this church into existence and that will carry us into the future? And so to work that out, well, we need to go back even further. We need to go back to the core purpose that God has designed from His people right from the beginning. Um, in this ancient psalm of Psalm 96, God reveals two purposes that must drive our existence today. And at the heart of these two purposes is one central, all-consuming passion for the glory of God. And so the first purpose of our existence is that we exist for worship. We exist for worship. Um, this psalm is a hymn of celebration that would have been sung by the gathered community of Israel to worship Yahweh. And I want you to look at the commands in this psalm. Verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song. Verse 3, declare His glory. Verse 7, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Verse 9, worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. This psalm is a call to worship. It's a call to, to center our lives individually and corporately around God and His glory. That's why we exist. Um, God's glory is the essence of who He is. It's His weightiness, His significance, His perfection as the Lord of the universe. And throughout Scripture, we see that God's deepest passion is for His glory. Um, from the very beginning, we see we were created to worship. We were created to sing, declare, and ascribe to God the glory due His name. Um, Isaiah 43 is a call to gather everyone from the ends of the earth whom God created for His glory. Uh, Colossians 1, Christ, the image of the invisible God, all things were created through Him and for Him. We often ask this question, what's my purpose? What is God's will for my life? Here it couldn't be more clear. The purpose of our existence is to worship God and magnify His glory. It's not just why God created you, it's why He saved you. Um, in, in Ezekiel 36, as God promises to save His people, He says, it's not for your sake I'm about to act but for the sake of my holy name. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name and the nations will know I am the Lord. Do you see God's driving force in saving you and bringing you into relationship with Him is to magnify His glory. Um, Ephesians 1, we were saved and adopted by God to the praise of His glorious grace. 
Do you see, the gospel magnifies God's glory because it's in the death and resurrection of Christ that God would show the world who he really is. A God of infinite power, wisdom, and grace. This life is not about you. God does not exist for you and your purposes. We exist for him and his purposes. Okay, now, now when you hear that um, God is passionate for his own glory, you might think, isn't this self-centered and narcissistic? I mean, why would God create us for worship? Well, that's where we need to see that God's glory and our joy is one and the same. Uh, for many years, C.S. Lewis, he struggled with this idea that God would create us to worship him. Uh, for many years, he couldn't accept a God that would demand our praise and admiration. Uh, but Lewis's discovery was that worship wasn't just for God's glory, it was for our joy. He says, have you ever noticed how all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise? Worship here is simply the overflow of what we do when we, when we delight in something. Um, when you delight in something, you praise it, don't you? And um, when you eat something delicious, you say, wow, that was incredible. We, we, we praise it with our lips and we tell others, you've got to try it, it's so good. We, we urge others to praise it too. That's how it works. And, and so this psalm, in, in calling us to praise and worship God, is simply doing what all people do when they speak of what they love. This psalm is an invitation to find joy and satisfaction in the God who created you and saved you. Uh, and what C.S. Lewis says next is really key. He says, we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes our joy. It is its appointed consummation. Um, there's a reason we love to go to live concerts and sports because when you behold something incredible, you'll see the, the place erupts in praise. The whole stadium cheers and together our enjoyment of that moment increases. That's worship. Worship is the expression and completion of our joy as we find satisfaction in the beauty of God. Uh, the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism puts it like this. It says, The chief end of man, the core purpose of humanity, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I mean, isn't it amazing that God would do everything for us and our purpose in life is simply to enjoy and express all that God's done? And so cross-culture, first and foremost, we exist as a community of worship. Um, it makes sense then that in verse 1, singing is a prescribed form of worship to God. Because singing is more than just the affirmation of truth, isn't it? Singing engages our hearts and affections towards that truth. We're commanded to sing here because singing is the overflow of our delight in God. I mean, isn't it incredible? Every culture sings. 
Every culture has developed its own anthems and songs. Uh, Songs have the ability to, to make us dance with joy. Songs can also bring us to tears. They, they can bring back powerful memories. Singing is such a powerful vehicle for worship because singing is simultaneously the, ex- the expression and, of truth and joy from us and the impression of truth and joy in us. Sim- uh, singing both expresses our worship to God and shapes our worship to God. And so as we sing to the Lord in in verse 2, we we tell of His salvation, we declare the beauty and relevance of the gospel we believe. Um, It's why singing here is such a vital part of our gatherings together. Um, Because as a church, we exist for worship. We exist to delight in God together. And so you'll see, we begin and end our gatherings with music. And aren't we so well served here by bands who lead us to worship God? We are incredibly privileged. Um, So can I encourage you, um, if you come to church, please don't skip the music. Um, Please come to church on time. Um, We we always notice that the room's half full um, when the music starts, and then slowly people um, begin to pour in. What if we started church like this? Because we exist for worship. And we'll see that our singing communicates how seriously we take God's glory. Um, Of course, singing isn't the totality of our worship, but it's a key expression of our delighting God as the overflow of our joy. So as you come to church, please sing with us. Uh, Verse 4 and 5, they tell us why we should worship God. It says, For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. We all worship something. Regardless uh, if you're a, a Christian or an agnostic or an atheist, you were created to worship. We all have something that grips our hearts, that overflows in praise and delight. Uh, Back then, they would have worshipped wooden statues and they would have made sacrifices to their gods on an altar. Today, we still make sacrifices. They're just not as visible. But I wonder, if you follow the altar of your time, affection, energy, and money, at the end of that trail, you will find a throne. And so, um, maybe this week, I want you to ask someone who knows you well, would you ask them this question, what would you say is most important to me? Simple question, what would you say is most important to me? Because if this psalm shows why we exist, it's also revealing our greatest problem. Our greatest problem is that we worship the wrong thing. Um, Imagine if you uh, proposed to someone and you gave them a ring and imagine that they became more enamored with that ring than they were by you who gave it to them in the first place. That's idolatry. That's what idolatry is. Romans 1 says, our problem is we have exchanged the worship of our Creator 
for his creation. And so this psalm is, is designed to realign us to reality. That it was God who made this world so that ultimately we would enjoy him. He is worthy of praise. And so the purpose of our church is that we would redirect our hearts away from worshipping the world to worship the Lord. Um, In this way, our gatherings are designed to constantly realign us back to this truth. Um, So it's why we come together to sing. We, We sing to express and impress God's word on our hearts. Uh, we come here to hear the gospel preached and applied to our lives. We, we celebrate the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and baptism so we can see the gospel visibly enacted. Um, our church could do many things, but our core purpose and vision of our church is that we would be a people passionate for the glory of God. That right at the heart of this city, we would be a community that worships the Lord. And we would show our city the beauty and value of our Savior. But if our church is truly passionate for God's glory, we must have another purpose. Because if cross-culture truly exists for worship, then we must also exist for mission. We exist for mission. Did you notice there's something remarkable happening in this psalm? Because even as the congregation in Israel gathers to worship God, who is this psalm addressed to? Verse 1, sing to the Lord all the earth. Verse 7, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Do you see this psalm is addressed to the nations? It's an invitation for the nations to worship Yahweh too. And so the purpose of our church is that we would develop such a big vision of God's glory is that it wouldn't just draw us to worship, but it would move us to call the nations to worship too. John Piper says that since worship is the ultimate purpose of our existence. He says, missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions exists because worship doesn't. If you're really passionate for God's glory, you must have a global vision. It doesn't make sense to say that you love God and have no heart for mission because missions here is the overflow of a longing to see the whole world worship God in His glory. Verse 3, we are to declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all peoples, so as a church we cannot lose our global vision. You know, at Cross Culture, we can't just be a worshipping community that looks in. Because you see, in this psalm, we aren't just recipients of God's blessing, we are mediators of that blessing. According to the Joshua Project, there's over 3 billion people on this planet that remain unreached by the gospel. 
Um, Unreached means there's such a small Christian presence amongst these people that in all likelihood they will never hear the name of Jesus. They will never have a chance to respond to the good news of eternal life. This means there are three billion people on this planet, if we do nothing, will live their whole lives and they will never hear the name of Jesus. Imagine that, three billion people right now, preciously made in the image of God, who will experience a lifetime of ups and downs and they won't be able to make any sense of it. They are lost. Um, when we went to um, India on a short-term uh, trip earlier this year, um, I, I would sometimes wake up to the sounds of wailing and crying from the hospital nearby. Um, death is a very visible and confronting reality over there. So um, when someone dies, the whole village comes. Uh, the village comes and, and they tear their clothes. Uh, They violently throw themselves on the ground, sometimes injuring themselves in the process. And and, and as you you hear and witness these things, I thought to myself, man, if only they knew it didn't have to be like this. If only they knew the hope of the gospel that Jesus has taken death on himself so that death is no longer the end. Verse 10, say, among the nations, the Lord reigns. Would we go out and tell people Christ has defeated death? This psalm couldn't put it any clearer. If we exist for worship, we must exist for mission. You know, as a church, there are so many things we could do. There are so many good ministries, good things that we could run. But here is something we must do. We must play our part in reaching the unreached. Um, Over the next few months, uh, as a church, we're going to be taking the time to pray. We're going to take this time to discern God's will and vision for us going forward as a church. Um, We want to consult with our leaders and we want to consult with all of you about shaping that vision. Um, I'll show you how to do that a bit later on. Um, But I suspect that it will have something to do with the global mission and glory of God. It has to, right? Uh, The author David Platt, he says this. He says, we have the undeserved privilege, the unambiguous responsibility, and the unprecedented opportunity to pursue this great commission. All those words matter. I mean, do you realize how blessed and privileged we are here in Melbourne? Here we have a near unlimited access to resources. If you have any question about the Bible or faith, go Google it. You'll see there's several articles on Desiring God, on Gospel Coalition, on any topic you ask. Um, Today, I can go down to Kurong and I can um, buy any book I wanted, 20% off. They're always 20% off. It's awesome. If you want to go read the Bible, read from the 900 English translations that there are in existence. 900. Unreached people groups don't even have one. Maybe if they're exceedingly blessed, they might have the New Testament or just one book in their heart language. Um, Here we have 
the privilege of being with God's people every week, uh, hearing from God's word every week. We have access to small groups to, to study God's word. Um, we have disciples and, and mentors who will read the Bible with us and care for us. Um, in Melbourne, we have Bible colleges and missions organizations that train us, will prepare us to go. In 2024, we have near unprecedented access to travel all around the globe. The unreached people groups have never more been in reach than today. We have more resources, technology, wealth than any period in history. We have unprecedented wealth. Now, why have we been given all these things? Has God given us all these things for a better life here? Is, this, is, is that what it's for? No, we take the Bible seriously. We know without a shadow of the doubt, it is for God's glory. It is for God's glory among the nations. Um, some of you here really love cruises. Um, I know it sounds like an amazing holiday experience, uh, cruising around the world. One day, I'm going to go on a cruise. Uh, I, I've already promised myself in my mind. <laughs> um, it's a great idea for a holiday, but it's not a great idea for a church. <laughs> um, our church must not be a cruise liner. Um, our goal as a church here isn't to sit back, um, enjoy life together, and sail into eternity. No, cross-culture must not be a cruise liner. I think we must see our church like a lifeboat. Um, a lifeboat that's sent out to people in need, people who are drowning, and people who are lost. God has given us this incredible mercy for a mission. And so cross-culture, would I challenge you, this is our responsibility we can't say this is too hard because this is the core purpose of our existence. If we have no concern for God's glory among the nations, we will have failed our core purpose as a church. And so as I see it, we have three options. Um, here in Melbourne, uh, sorry, the first is stay. Uh, here in Melbourne, you, you'll see the nations come to us. Uh, many come as, as migrant workers or students into our city and they meet, need to meet Jesus. And, and so if you decide to stay here, can I encourage you, would you commit to engaging, welcoming and sharing the good news with the nations that are at our doorstep? Um, each week would you come and, and worship God? Would you pray that God would lead you to someone who, you can, who really needs to know the love of Jesus? The second is return. Uh, many of you have come from other countries to study and work, and maybe you should consider how you could bring the gospel back to your friends and family back there. Would you pray that it wouldn't simply just be a return to the comforts and the familiarity of an old home, but it would be a conscious decision to return for the sake of God's glory among the nations? And third, some of you should go. Some of you should pray and really consider 
taking the gospel to the unreached. Um, Some of you need to take this first step to find out more, find out how to train and prepare. Um, Over the next few months, we'll be tapping some of you on the shoulder and encouraging you in this direction. Or maybe this is something you've been thinking about for a while. Maybe you've already talked to lots of people. You've, you've heard their stories. You've been helped through training. And now you just got to go. At some point, we just have to go. Because life is short and three billion people need Jesus. Um, these three options are ongoing decisions that we constantly need to reassess, each of us. But... Regardless of which option you choose, each of these decisions must be a deliberate one. A decision about how you can be most effective to make God's glory known among the nations. Because remember, we have all been given the undeserved privilege, the unambiguous responsibility and the unprecedented opportunity to fulfill the Great Commission. It's an overwhelming task. But could I just draw you to what is possible when the church of God would start praying? When a church would start adopting a vision for God's global glory? What would happen when the church would take up this great commission as a personal responsibility? Uh, In 1893, someone wrote a report about the progress of our church here. Um, In that report, just in passing, they mentioned a Chinese group that had started. This is what the report said back in 1893. It says, our Chinese class is still continued, though the number of members is small, just four, but we expect big things in the future. I mean, who would have thought from that small statement in 1893 that 130 years later there would be a Chinese congregation of believers at Cross Culture worshipping God in their heart language now. They're doing that right now. That in the heart of this city, we would be evidence of God's glory among the nations. And I wonder if if that group of four members who are now in glory are looking on with wonder at what the gospel has created here. This is what's possible when God's people would take up the Great Commission as a personal responsibility and the very purpose of why we exist. Friends, I hope you can see nominal Christianity will not change the world. Nominal cruise ship Christianity will not alter the lives of three billion people. But what is possible when the people of God would worship Him in spirit and in truth, when God's glory would become our all-consuming passion and our deepest joy? Um, over the next two weeks, um, we want to help. Uh, we want to ask you to help us to formulate the vision of our church. Um, so, over the next week, we want you to complete a short survey, um, which will help us to know your dreams, uh, your priorities for our church going forward. Um, you can access this survey here, but uh, you can fill it out during the week. But we'll actually be reserving some time next week during our service 
so that we can fill it out together. But we wanted to give it to you early so you can start thinking and praying over these really big questions. And so friends, yes, it's, it's time to start praying. Um, it's time to start praying personally in, in our life groups and as a church together for what might be possible if we would capture a vision of God's glory among the nations. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, would you be our all-consuming passion and our deepest joy? Lord, change our hearts to see you for all your value and worth. Lord, help us to take up the challenge that we have been given the undeserved privilege, the unambiguous responsibility and the unprecedented opportunity to pursue the Great Commission. Lord, we long that one day the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the water covers the sea. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.